In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us tonight. And we know that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I have a four and a half year old daughter. Um, and when she was a very young, I re- remember one afternoon my wife t- teaching her what sounds all the various animals make. They were sitting at the kitchen table in our tiny apartment in Jersey City, and I was sitting at the computer turned away from them. That's how small our apartment was in Jersey City. Our computer was in the kitchen. Um, and she was already pretty good at the animal sounds, so my wife was quizzing her, you know, sort of like, and what sound does a dog make? And she'd go, woof, woof, and what sound does a cat make? Meow. And on this particular occasion, Hazel, who is my daughter, was on a real roll. She was getting them, one after the other. Dog, cat, horse, bear, all of them. And then my wife asked her, what sound does an elephant make? And I heard this hesitation from behind me. And it just so happens that I know what sound an elephant makes. And I do a world-renowned, internet-sensational elephant impression. It goes something like this. Yeah, there we go. So when I hear the hesitation, when my wife asks my, at the time, maybe year-old daughter what sound an an elephant makes, and she doesn't know, I jump right in. I supply the elephant's impression, and immediately my daughter bursts into tears. (laughs) But I suppose in the end, it's a testament to the awesomeness of the impersonation, right? You'd be afraid, too, if you thought there was an elephant in your house. Maybe you'd be especially afraid if you thought that elephant was trampling and or eating your father. But what actually was happening was simply that the noise was louder and more shocking and scarier than what she had been expecting, and so she got frightened. I was wondering this week what kind of sound does a Christian make? Seriously, if you were trying to describe a Christian to a little kid, how would you do it? Think about it for a second, because really, that's all we're doing when we're teaching our children the animal sounds, right? What's a dog? Well, it's the animal that goes woof woof. What's a cat? It's the animal that goes meow. So what's a Christian? I think if we were to walk around town and ask people to describe Christianity, the first thing that they might do is to start to list a series of behaviors 
Right? It's probably true of many of us who are sitting here in this church this evening. What is a Christian? Well, we might say it's someone who tries to do the right thing, someone who follows Jesus, who tries to love their neighbor as themselves. Or if we were in a more cynical mood, many people might say something like, a Christian is someone who says they'll try to do the right thing, who says that they follow Jesus, who claims that they'll love their neighbor as themselves, but they're only really saying that so that they can trick you into letting them lie, cheat, and steal to the extent that they want. Either way you go, though, positive or negative, Christianity, it seems to me, is often described as things you do, a pattern of behavior. There are things Christians ought to do and things Christians ought not to do. And in the doing or the not doing, we can tell if someone's really a Christian or not. Right? Thinking this way is like my elephant impression. It'll make you cry. How does Luke describe the shepherds reacting to the glory of the Lord shining around? Remember, they're, they're out in the fields with their sheep, normal night. And all of a sudden it says, the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And Luke says, they were terrified. Terrified. The angels, the shepherds saw the angel and they saw the glory of God and they probably had the same thought that you or I would have. This is the end. It's all over. And they were terrified because they thought they hadn't lived lives good enough for God. Right? If you're a good person, you would rejoice at the coming of an angel and the glory of God. You'd say, yes. But if you're worried, you're terrified. When you think that your relationship with God is based on the quality of your behavior, that relationship will be ruined. It has no chance. Maybe by fear, like the shepherds. Or maybe by resentment or anger or frustration. And when we imagine that we can describe Christianity by a pattern of behavior, we ruin everything. The angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And with those, just those four words, he tells the shepherds that night and us tonight, that we're thinking about this thing all wrong. That our relationship with God is not dependent on our behavior. In fact, it's not dependent on us at all. The angel goes on, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. This, my brothers and sisters, as Linus says in a Charlie Brown Christmas, is what Christmas is all about. Notice that the angel does not say, to you is born this day in the city of David a guy who's going to tell you how you ought to live your life. If the angel had said that, he would have had to start a little bit differently. He would have had to say something like, 
Be very afraid. For see, I am bringing you bad news of great sorrow for all the people. Because, make no mistake, a Jesus who just comes to tell you how to live your life is bad news. But that is not the Jesus who comes at Christmas. In our prayer book in the Episcopal Church, we have a a series of verses that are referred to as the comfortable words. And we sometimes say them after we confess our sins. So just after we sort of lay open ourselves and are honest about our faults and our shortcomings, we hear these comfortable words. Because the Christ, the Jesus who comes at Christmas is a Christ of comfort. Come unto me, he says, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And on Christmas morning, bright and early, out there, In the sheep field, in the midst of what is an otherwise very scary situation, we get more comfortable words. Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. You want to hear one more comforting thing? Who doesn't, right? Who couldn't use one more comforting thing? And this one more comforting thing that I want to share with you tonight is the most important thing you can know about Christmas. This is the thing. This is Christmas. Christmas is about a God who comes to his people instead of waiting for his people to get to him. Christmas is about a God who comes to his people instead of waiting for his people to get to him. We talk about this action a lot, but on Christmas it happens literally. A holy and perfect God comes into this unholy and broken place to save us before we get good enough to get to him. Every other religion, every other philosophy, every other system of thought puts the onus on you to improve yourself, to work hard, to get better so that one day you can get to a place, you can get to the top of that mountain and maybe get an audience with God. And in these other systems, if God does come down, he comes down to judge how well you're doing. No wonder the shepherds were so afraid. Christ, however, comes into the world not to judge it, 
but to save it. And when we imagine a God sitting up there in the clouds, we imagine someone who's waiting for us to climb to the mountain to get to him, right? That's how we operate. We think he's, he's up there saying, I'm right here. Just come on up. Do the work. Climb the mountain of being a good person, of living a good life, of being a good father. Climb that mountain of trying to be like my son, that mountain of being a loving wife, a caring partner. Get to me. I'm right here. I'm waiting. But that's not our God. Our God came down to us came down in the form of an infant for whom there was not even room in the inn. Christmas is what makes Christianity unique. Christmas is about a God who comes to his people before they can ever be good enough to get to him. Christianity alone has a God who comes to us before, not only before we do good things, but in spite of our failure. To do good things. St. Paul, in our other reading this morning, this evening, I'm so used to saying morning, this evening says that when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, when Jesus came, he saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of his mercy. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. As Linus says, this is what Christmas is all about. When we sing joy to the world, this is what we are joyful about. When we sing, it came upon a midnight clear, this is what came. God himself came to us rather than demanding that we get to him. The goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared and saved us not because of anything that we had done, but because of his mercy. Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you, each and every one of you, is born in the city of David a Savior. Let us be people who Remember this good news all 52 weeks of the year. And this church will certainly be a place that proclaims that every single week. That Jesus Christ is not like Santa Claus, who works one night a year and spends the other 364 judging you. Right? With his naughty and nice list. Jesus doesn't wait. He comes to you. Jesus Christ is the coming of God. His loving kindness sent down to us from a God who did not wait for us to get to him, but who on Christmas came to save us. Amen.